before those little white dipsy clouds, I don't know what they were, they were pretty unique last night if you saw them. Before that, I looked out to the west and there was a bank of clouds that had a, a sharp peak to it and and I said, Marilyn, God put a mountain in the west for us. It, I mean, it it looked just like very similar to us looking out our window in Montana and seeing the mountains, and it quickly disappeared. But it it was it brought joy, and and um, I was thinking of that. And in light of today's message, we we would go to a camp in just south of Bozeman, Montana, uh, for Bible camp and family camps and. And down the Gallatin River Valley to go to the camp, there was this dairy, creamery, cheese-making place. And it looked like it was known for its cheese-making and that. But at camp, when we were there early on and not knowing, someone said, "Have have you been to the creamery for ice cream? No, really? Yeah, oh man, it's the best ice cream you've ever had. So, we had to follow their advice, you know. We went there, and not only was it the best ice cream, they gave huge heapings on your cone. You had to be an acrobat or steady-handed. I mean, it was great. And um, one time... Marilyn and and Marilyn's folks were out to visit us and we went to the camp and we stopped there and and Marilyn's dad loved good deals. And I mean he'd he'd take the kids to a buffet, you know. He wouldn't let them leave till they were about sick. <laughs> Honestly, they still remember that. Anyway, we go in there and and they keep piling on the ice cream on his cone, and his eyes are getting big. I mean, he'd talk about that. He'd come to visit us. We were about an hour and 15 minutes from the camp where we lived, and he'd say, we need to go back to that creamery again. So <clears throat> the news spread well because of it was so good. Another time we were traveling, and we stopped in Sheridan, Wyoming, and we went to the park, and in the park, the city park, they had an ice cream stand. I mean, a full-fledged ice cream stand. We thought, man, this is great. Taking a break from traveling, we go in, and they have all these great flavors, huckleberry and all these great flavors. And we order cones, and there again, nice sized heaping on that and um, hard ice cream and they put there's a pattern here isn't there huh <laughs> and and we told people that we knew we're traveling man if you go through Sheridan go to the city park I think it was called Hendrix Park even so do you have any any profit from that or maybe if you show up there you might might get something all right but it, it, it was great. In fact, on our way back, we planned our schedule to make, 
No, we can't be there that early because the ice cream shop won't be open, all right? So we planned our travel schedule to be back there. And um, then you wonder why I battle with high blood sugar, right? <laughs> any rate, good news travels fast. Maybe not as fast as bad news, but when you find something good... Unless it's limited, unless it's um, morale mushrooms, you normally tell people, wow, you can get a nice, big, heaping ice cream cone and it is delicious because it's no skin off your back. There's all kinds of supply there and you want other people to enjoy it. Micah, whose name means who is like Jehovah, really is giving us a message in this book. And today we're going to kind of take an overview of this book and, and see that he is saying, look at this. This is Jehovah. There is no one like him. Who is like Jehovah? And, and he's exalting the name of God in ways that, that we wouldn't imagine. And really, this is, this is the ministry of we as Christians, is to exalt the name of God, to glorify his name. Micah was from an obscure village. He had witnessed the fall of the northern kingdom of Israel. He lived through the invasions of Judah by the Assyrians. And um, those invasions in which they captured 46 of King Hezekiah's strong cities. They claimed the city that Micah grew up in. And he had experienced the distress and the turmoil of foreign invasions. And so God raised him up to give several messages. This is really a, a compilation of messages that God raised him up to give to the nation of Israel, Samaria and Judah. And in it, he... He used some unique language, which, sad to say, because of, of translation work and so on, we really, we really can't get the, the puns that he used, the word plays, even some of the probing questions. But he did bring a message that we can get. And, and we want to look at it from this standpoint. Who is a God like Jehovah? You know, there are, there are many, many gods in the world, and sad to say many times, many different things that we elevate, whether knowingly or not, we elevate to the position of God in our life. But 
God clearly made it known throughout all of Scripture that there is no other God but Him. In Exodus chapter 9, when he was talking about the plagues that he would send, and he said, the reason that I'm sending these plagues was that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. That he is God. There is none other. In Psalm 86 and verse 8, the psalmist said, Among the gods, there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. There, there is no God like you, and there is no one that can do the works that you do. And in Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 6, <clears throat> Jeremiah says, For as much as there is none like unto you, O Lord, you are great, and your name is great in might. We sang, Great and mighty is the Lord our God. There is no one that even compares to him. So Micah is sharing with us in this book, and we're going to look at three different aspects that he says, who is a God like Jehovah in this area? First of all, it's in the area of the awesome judgment that God brings. The awesome judgment that God brings. You notice he begins, he, he doesn't, mess around, he just jumps right in. Listen up, people. This is to everybody on the earth. The Lord is coming against you as a witness against you. It's it's almost like it's a, a prosecution, and he is coming a witness against you. He is coming out of his place. He will come down and tread on the high places of the earth. And he uses language. The mountains will melt under him, and the valleys will split like wax before the fire, in verse 4. And like waters poured down a steep place. I mean, he's painting this picture, and, and if, if you've ever uh, hiked in the mountains and seen um, waterfalls, I mean, they come down with force. It, it was always interesting this camp was right on the Gallatin River, and the Gallatin River was really not much wider from here to the wall. <clears throat> and, and it wasn't very deep, <clears throat> and yet it was very fast-flowing. And it was always interesting. Uh, there are people come out from the east or even from the Midwest that had never been around mountains, and never been around mountain streams at all. And they'd say, hey, let's walk to the other side. No, you don't want to do that. Oh, yeah, it's not very far. Let's do it. So you'd let them do it. They'd step in and they'd get swept away. They'd be. There were certain times you wouldn't let them when it was rolling higher than normal. But they couldn't believe it because the Sheraton River... Anybody can walk across that. But this is coming down with force. It's coming down with power. And this is the picture that he's painting of God's judgment. 
that it is coming down and no one can stand. He goes on and he paints many pictures about this. And, and in, in verse 10, he begins a, a dialogue. And, and I came across Eugene Peterson put it in words. He really, he really is painting a picture to the children of Israel that they understood it. And, and we're going to bring it up on the screen here. And I'm going to read it. This is uh, Eugene Peterson trying to put it in the picture that he said, beginning in verse 10. Don't gossip about this judgment that is coming in the name of Telltown. Okay? Telltown, gossip. Don't gossip about it. Don't waste your tears in Dustville. You will be rolling in the dust. In Alarmtown, and all these names of these cities, they knew what the names meant. In Alarmtown, the alarm has sounded. <clears throat> the citizens of Exitburg will never get out alive. You think you can exit here? There's no exit. You will not get out alive. <clears throat> Lament, last stand city. There's nothing in you left standing. The villagers of Bittertown wait in vain for sweet peace. Harsh judgment has come from God and entered Peace City. All you who live in Chariotville, get in your chariots and take off for the flight. You were the ones that led the daughter of Zion into not trusting in God, but trusting in chariots. Similar sins in Israel also got their start in you. Go ahead and give your goodbye gifts, those of you that live in Goodbyeville. Mirage Town, it, it's a mirage. Mirage Town beckons you, but disappointed Israel's kings. Inheritance City has lost its inheritance. Glory Town has seen its last glory. And he concludes, Shave your heads in mourning over the loss of your precious towns. Go bald as a goose egg. They've gone into exile and aren't coming back. This is what God does. And in my simplicity, I'm thinking, if God was writing to us today, about cities and the judgment that is coming because of sin. And I don't know what Sheraton means. I don't know what Corden means. I don't know what Melcher Dallas means. But in my simplicity, I said, Go, you chargers. You will be charged, not chargers. Go, you falcons. Your wings will be clipped. Go, you saints. You will find out your sinners. Go, you, well, I was going to go to the Pella Dutch. You will find out you're not much, okay? <laughs> but we, we take glory in our, in our, and that's exactly what he was doing in this passage. You will have nothing to glory in when the judgment of God comes. And he is saying, there is no God like Jehovah. 
He is awesome in his judgment. And we don't have to go far and look throughout the Bible. Awesome in his judgment, he flooded the whole earth. Awesome in his judgment, he brought the Tower of Babel and confused all the nations so that even yet today we have these confusions. Awesome in judgment, he separated the Red Sea for the Israelites and made it come in like a crashing flood to drown the armies of the Egyptians. Awesome in judgment, the great fortresses of Jerusalem, and God said they will tear every stone down and destroy it, and they did exactly that. Awesome in judgment, every great empire throughout all of history has come to an end. God brings his judgment when people turn against him. Awesome in judgment, Read the book of Revelation, the, the seals and the trumpet judgment and the vile judgment. One-third of the trees will be burned up. One-third of the seas will become blood. One-third of the waters will be poisoned. One-third of the sun, moon will be darkened. Demons will torment men for five months and men can't die. <coughs> One-third of the population will be killed by fire and smoke and brimstone. Over one-half of the world's population will be killed during the tribulation period. This is the judgment of God. And, and Mike is saying, who is like Jehovah? He is the one that is behind all judgments against sin. And Micah came and proclaimed uh, judgments against the, the sin problems of the day, the violence, the corruption, the bribery, the robbery, the covetousness, the gross materialism, the sexual immorality, the spiritual bankruptcy. And he said, you need to understand God's judgment is coming. And who is like Jehovah God? There is no one that is like him. No one has the power to bring these judgments. No one has the power to do what he does. And it is God and God alone. So the first area, he says, who is like God? Who is like Jehovah in awesome judgment? Secondly, he begins, if you turn to chapter 3 of Micah, he said, here now... O heads of Israel. So again, this is like his second message that he's beginning. Hear now, O heads of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel. Is, is it not for you to know justice? You who hate good and love evil, who strip the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who also eat the flesh of my people, flay their skin from them, break their bones, chop them in pieces like meat for the pot, like flesh in the cauldron. He says, then they will call to the Lord, but he will not hear them. He, he will even hide his face from them at that time because they have been evil in his deeds. And in future studies we'll go on and see. But there is no one like God in demanding and implementing justice. 
He's calling out their injustices. He says, this is what you did. You took advantage of my people. You destroyed them. And he said, I am a God that observes everything. And I demand justice. And I will execute justice. I will implement justice. God is a just God. And he cannot go against his nature and his character. And he will bring judgment. But his purpose for judgment is bringing justice. Every every situation of injustice, God has the power... And has the commitment to make it right. And you can trust Him for any injustices that have been brought into your life. We can rest in His provision and care. And and Micah is saying, and we're not going to go at length into this aspect of it, as we have next week as well, but he's saying, there is no one like Jehovah God. There is no one like God that demands justice and will bring justice. And He will bring judgment on that which is unjust and He will make things right. So He gives gives that command and that exhortation. And He's showing, again, an overview. Who is like Jehovah? No one. No one can bring the judgments he brings. No one can demand justice and implement justice. And then if you turn to chapter 6, he begins another message. And for the sake of time, we're not going to go in and and read all of it. But in chapter 6, he begins a message that then brings hope, that then brings um, uh, promise, that then brings forgiveness. And again he says, Hear now what the Lord says. Aride, plead your case before the mountains, and let the mountains hear your voice. And he goes on and he says, um, I have brought you up out of Egypt. I have brought you and delivered you And I will deliver you again. And he brings great promise of future restoration for Israel. And what Micah is showing is, who is like Jehovah? Who is a God like Jehovah sacrificially providing forgiveness in perfect love? There is no one like Jehovah. He is a God of mercy and hope and grace. He is a God who delivers His people from hopeless moral failure. If we had stopped with the first two, judgment and justice, there would be no hope for any of us. But He says, despite all that you've done, despite all that you are, I am a God, there is none like me, I am a God who provides forgiveness I sacrificially provide forgiveness of sin and restoration, and there is no one like Him. 
Micah emphasizes God's undeserved grace and keeps repeating the fact of God's salvation, that God took the initiative in saving us, and that God's salvation is unstoppable in Jesus Christ. God finishes what he starts, Micah's saying, and he called the children of Israel. He is going to bring justice and judgment, but he is going to restore. Look in chapter 7 and verse 18. He's summing it up again, the conclusion. Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our our iniquities you will cast all your, all your sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth to Jacob and mercy to Abraham, which you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. In chapter 1, when he lists all the sins, you'd never dream that you'd read verse 18 and following. But he says, wow, you, there is no God like you in judgment. There is no God like you in justice. And overwhelmingly, there is no God like you that pardons iniquity and does not retain His anger forever and delights in mercy and will cast our sins into the depths of the deepest sea. See, this shows the greatness of God. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, He would have sent uh, a scientist, a, a computer tech person. If our greatest need had been money, He would have sent an economist. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And He sent the only one that could provide forgiveness, and that's Jesus Christ. What other God has ever done that? And what Micah is saying is, all these gods, and and we can list them today. You can list Buddha and Hinduism and, and Joseph Smith and all the others that people follow. Who can bring judgment? If you want an interesting account of of current day judgments that God has initiated and that God has thwarted, depending on mankind, go and listen to yesterday's programming on understanding the times. Immediately, what what our nation has done to Israel, direct correlation to some of the things that have gone on negatively and positively. What God can do that? Only Jehovah God. And he says, there, there is no one, nothing else compares to this. In judgment, in justice, but then the key to it all is his forgiveness and mercy and pardoning our iniquities. So I want to quickly make some application. Number one, 
God will surely judge sin. Numbers 32.23 says, Be sure your sin will find you out. You know, every one of these truths about the greatness of God has, has two sides to the coin. It's a good thing God is going to bring judgment on all these wicked. But the other side of the coin is God is going to bring judgment on my sin. It's comforting to know that the wicked will not go unpunished, but it's also challenging to know that I need to deal with my sin. It's comforting to know that He will take care of every injustice. But have I been one that's ministered injustice to others? God will surely judge sin. And we must realize, secondly, God's judgment is to be feared. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 31 says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. God is to be feared. He's not not an old man that's powerless and, and just up there observing things. God's judgment is to be feared. And you go throughout history and see the judgments that have come. You look at the future and see the judgments that have come. We just mentioned a few here this morning, but God's judgments are to be feared. Thirdly, Christ alone delivers us from the wrath and judgments of God. Turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Christ alone delivers us from the wrath of God and from the judgments of God. Notice John chapter 3, you're familiar with the account of Nicodemus, you're familiar with John 3.16, but look at John chapter 3 and verse 18. He who believes in Him, Jesus Christ, is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Condemnation if you do not believe in Jesus Christ and no condemnation if you trust Jesus Christ. Notice verse 36 of the same chapter. He he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life. Notice what it says. But the wrath of God abides on him. There is only one deliverance from the wrath of God, and that's in Jesus Christ. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And notice verse 9. First Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul's writing to the believers at Thessalonica. He says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, 
that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Notice that? God has not appointed us to wrath, but gave His Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, that we might have salvation through Him. I mean, we are guilty, we are condemned, we already are condemned, and then who is a God like Jehovah that offers to us full forgiveness and pardon? Christ alone delivers us from the wrath of God. And so, turn if you would to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. One other point that we want to make here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Notice, I want to begin reading in verse 9. Therefore, 2 Corinthians 5, 9, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in the body according to what he hath done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, or the judgment of God, or the wrath of God, we persuade men. But we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your conscience. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those that boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are besides ourselves, it is for God, or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. Notice, for the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, Then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Notice what he says, the love of Christ compels us. If Christ so loved us and he offered to us this great gift, we should go around saying, Wow, you can get the best ice cream cone at the city park in Sheridan, Wyoming. No. Who is a God like this God that forgives all our sins, frees me from the judgment of God, and promises to bring justice? The love of Christ should compel us. The love of Christ should compel us to tell others that... And that's exactly what Mike is doing. Who is a God like this God? Bring your gods. Can they do this? Can they do this? And then the last card of all, can they do this? Can they forgive sins? No. No other God can. And that's, that's our God. That's who God is. And He's allowed us to be a part of Him. And Micah, living up to His name, is saying... Who is a God like this God? I mean, this is the greatest thing. We've all bought certain things and thought, this is the greatest thing. And then it either broke down or somebody came out with another model that's even greater and we find out it's not so great and pretty soon we're longing for something else. And 
No, God is the greatest of all. And he said, here's my case. Look at the judgments and you'll see nobody else can bring the judgments he brings. No one else can bring justice and no one else can forgive sins. That's our God. I mean, that, that should motivate us. Hey, come, come here. This is the greatest thing, man. They, God piles on the mercies every day. How much it costs? It's free. It's the grace of God. And that's what God has done in our lives. And that's the message of Micah. And that's the message. It, it, it is deep and dark and foreboding. And then the Son of God, the sunshine of God, the Son of God comes breaking through with glorious news. Who is a God like Jehovah that forgives our sin? Heavenly Father, I pray that our hearts would be stirred to the fear of You and the joy of You. And Lord, that, that truly the love of You would compel us to tell others about who You are and that there is no God like You, Jehovah God. Supreme in judgment, supreme in justice, and supreme in mercy and forgiveness. Lord, I pray today that there would be each of us that would avail ourselves to your mercies and forgiveness. I pray that our hearts would be stirred that there is no God like you. And Lord, that we would understand the ministry that you've given us. May you be honored through our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's